Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. A short Bible study every day, only about 13 minutes. Something we can listen to easily on the way to work or home from work or maybe in a break at work or during lunchtime or maybe just taking a little break from our chores around the house. But it gets us into God's Word every day. As short as it is, it helps us to stay strong in our faith and even grow stronger in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. It also helps us to have a more positive, because it's a more spiritual emphasis in our life, to be able to deal with life every day. And it also helps us to stay focused on our relationship with God. You know people in your life who need to change their focus in their life. Help them by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. With your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing for them. But also, it's a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everyone you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study, and this is really a second segment of this particular line of thought and study that we began last week when we asked the question, can God save a crook? And the answer was absolutely yes. God is willing, he is longing to, sa- to, to forgive and save anybody who will come to him through Jesus Christ repenting of their sins, confessing their faith in him, and being baptized for the remission of their sins. Again, the Apostle Peter said that God is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, exercising patience with us while we're still alive in this physical world, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But now you see, the key is, he's not overlooking our sins. He wants us to come to repentance. He requires that we come to repentance. And the next verse says the day of the Lord will come. And that's a reference to the final day of judgment. He says as a thief in the night. In other words, unexpectedly for so many people who are guilty, who are still living in faith, in unfaithfulness, in sinfulness before God, in disobedience to him. And he says the earth, the elements will be burned up melt away with fervent heat. But we still have time while we're still alive in this world to repent and come to God for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Yes, God can save a crook. God can save any type of sinner, but not in their sin. He can save them from their sin. And that's key. We've got to change our lives. Now we looked at this particular follow-up, somebody says, well, I'm, 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 I'm glad God can save a crook, but I'm not a crook. Well, are you a sinner? Now, we may not like to answer that question very forcefully. We don't like that idea. Our culture doesn't even like that word, sin or sinner. We're We're not supposed to use those words in reference to anybody except maybe ourselves personally. But if we're going to talk about somebody else and say that person's living in sin, oh, we're hateful. 
Well, we are narrow-minded. We are bigoted. We are mean-spirited. No. We're simply pointing out what the Scripture says. What the Scripture says. Now, we looked at, in our last time together, we looked at Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, where God placed the man and the woman Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, in the Garden of Eden, which God had prepared for them. And I, I think we can understand it as being paradise on earth. And he gave them one negative commandment. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. In fact, Eve said, he told us not only not to eat of that fruit, he said, don't even touch it, lest you die. But the devil lured her in making her think, or or he didn't make her think, he lured her into thinking that if she would eat of that particular fruit, she would not die, that was a lie, but also that she would become like God. And that must have been an intriguing, exciting thought for her. I'll be like God? But the devil said, the way you're going to be like God is you'll know good and evil. And she ate, and she was used by the devil to lead her husband to eat. And so both of them became disobedient to God and thereby they became sinners and they knew good good and evil because now they were living in evil. They were sinners. They needed forgiveness. So God pronounced judgment upon them in a series of statements, but he also removed them from that garden that he'd prepared for them and I think probably for their offspring after them, if they had stayed faithful to him. And within that garden was another tree, the tree of life. And as long as they ate, as they would eat the fruit of that tree, they would live forever on this earth, sinless. But now they were sinners. They were ashamed. They had been naked before they, eat the, they ate the fruit that God told them not to eat. But once they ate it, Everything changed. Their eyes were open. Now they were ashamed of their nakedness because they had a different consciousness suddenly. Sin had become a reality in their consciousness. And now there were consequences of sin to pay. And one of those was they were going to die, just like God told them that in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. As we pointed out in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2, The prophet said that our iniquities separate us from God. Our sins hide his face from us so that he will not hear. And so spiritual death became an instant reality for that man and woman because their sins separated them from God. They no longer had that same relationship with God that they had had before they became sinners. But also because he removed them from the garden and therefore access to the tree of life, now physical death also became a reality. They were going to die physically. In Romans 5 and verse 12, the apostle Paul wrote about this reality. He said, therefore, just as through one man, and that would be Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Why do we die physically? Sin. 
So what about all of the agony, all of the torments at times, all of the suffering that goes with dying physically? Sin is at the bottom line. Our biggest problem as humankind is not climate change or wars or other kinds of violence or pandemics or epidemics. You just name it, things that we experience in physical life in this world. That's, none of those are our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is sin. In Romans 6 and verse 23, Paul said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God says you don't have to face that ultimate eternal death, and that is condemnation forever in hell and all of its torments. You can have eternal life. You can be forgiven. I sent my son to the cross to pay the price for the guilt of your sins. And if you will come to him, through him, I'm ready to forgive you. I want to forgive you. I want you to be saved. I'm ready to give you eternal life with me in heaven. But you've got to turn away from that sin. A number of verses talk about the reality of sinfulness as being central to our existence as humankind. Now, we could go back to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 8, and some of these verses a lot of people may have not been aware of, may have never read some of these verses before. But they're there, and they teach us about this reality, that sin is there in our lives. Sin is prevalent within the consciousness of mankind. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 46, when they sin against you, against God, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to the land of the enemy, far or near. Now, this is talking specifically an application about the Israelites, but that statement right there at the beginning, for there is no one who does not sin. That's that's the statement that we need to understand and we need to realize, and then we need to deal with that in our own personal lives. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 20, the wise man Solomon wrote this along this very line. There is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Now he's not talking about there is not a person on earth who does not do some good things or cannot be counted just before God. He's saying there is not a man on this earth who is totally just and never does wrong, never commits sin. All are guilty of sin. We need to understand that. And sin, unrepented of, unforgiven for, is eternally devastating for us. We need to learn that lesson. We're going to stop and pray. We'll come back and look at this at a little more depth next time. Let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, help us, help everyone all around the world to recognize 
the danger that they are under if they're living in sin. And they don't have to be some heinous criminal, but if they're just not being obedient to, do, to you, they are living in sin. Help them to see that danger and to come to you through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. We pray this, Father. We pray this. Please forgive us and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.